Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Pink! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! There was once on a time a queen to whom God had given no children. Every morning she went into the garden and prayed to God in heaven to bestow on her a son or a daughter. Then an angel from heaven came to her and said, Be at rest, you shall have a son with the power of wishing, so that whatever in the world he wishes for, that shall he have. Oh. Queen and king, no kids. Uh, she's like, I really want a kid. Angel comes, says, don't worry, you're going to have a kid, a son. Who have- can wish. Exactly. But the son can wish. She can't. Then she went to the king and told him the joyful tidings. And when the time came, she gave birth to a son. And the king was filled with gladness. Oh, good. Happy. Which is good. Everyone's happy. Yeah, nice. Every morning, she went with the child to the garden where the wild beasts were kept and washed herself in a clear stream. It happened one day when the child was a little older that it was lying in her arms and she fell asleep. It's just bliss. It's just absolutely lovely. And they keep wild animals in their garden. Yes. (laughs) Lovely. But then came the old cook who knew that the child had the power of wishing and he stole it away while the queen slept. And he took a hen and he cut it in pieces and dropped some of its blood on the queen's apron and on her dress. Then he carried the child away to a secret place where a nurse was obliged to suckle it. And he ran to the king and accused the queen of having allowed her child to be taken from her by the wild beasts. What? When the king saw the blood on her apron, he believed this, fell into such a passion that he ordered a high tower to be built in which neither the sun nor the moon could be seen. And he had his wife put into it and walled up. Here she was to stay for seven years without meat or drink and die of hunger. First of all, the mass doesn't stack up there. I mean, she's not going to last seven years without food or drink. <laughs> Let me tell you that, Mr. King. Wow. But God sent two angels Phew. from heaven in the shape of white doves, which flew to her twice a day and carried her food until the seven years were over. Ah. Oh. Now the cook thought to himself, if the child has the power of wishing and I am here, he might very easily get me into trouble. So he left the palace and went to the boy, who was already big enough to speak, and said to him, Wish for a beautiful palace for yourself, with a garden, and all else that pertains to it. Scarcely were the words out of the boy's mouth when everything was there that he had wished for. And after a while, the cook said to him, Hmm, it's no good for you to be so alone. Wish for a pretty girl as a companion. Uh, That's weird. (laughs) Then the king's son wished for one, and she immediately stood before him, and was more beautiful than any painter could have painted her. Oh, this in the painters there. This in the painters, brothers. (laughs) Now the two played together, the prince and the beautiful girl, and loved each other with all of their hearts. And the old cook went out hunting like a nobleman. So everything's settled in this new thing. The thought, however, occurred to him, to the cook, that the king's son might someday wish to be with his father, and thus bring him into great peril. So he went out and took the maiden aside and said, Tonight, when the boy is asleep, go to his bed and plunge this knife into his heart and bring me his heart and tongue, and if you do not do it, you shall lose your life. Thereupon he went away, and when he returned next day, she had not done it, and said, 
Why should I shed the blood of an innocent boy who has never harmed anyone? The cook once more said, If you do not do it, it shall cost you your own life. Oh, harsh. And when he had gone away, she had a little deer brought to her and ordered her to be killed and took her heart and tongue and laid them on a plate. And when she saw the old man coming, she said to the boy, Lie down in your bed and draw the covers over you. Then the wicked wretch came in. Where are the boy's heart and tongue? So, cook's come in the room. He's a wicked wretch now. I assumed it was him. But yeah, that's yeah. him. But the boy's hiding under the covers. Yep. And the girl's got a dish with a heart and a tongue on it. Yep. She reached the plate to him, to the cook. But the king's son threw off the quilt and said, You old sinner, why did you want to kill me? Now I will pronounce your sentence. You shall become a black poodle. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa, did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. A black poodle. Oh, that's the worst. Please, no! Please, a German shepherd! <laughs> There's more to come, though. You should be a black poodle and have a gold collar round your neck and shall eat burning coals till the flames burst forth from your throat. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh dear, not a good day for this the cook. This is awful. And when he had spoken these words, the old man was changed into a poodle dog, and had a gold collar round his neck, and the cooks were ordered to bring up some live coals, and these he ate until the flames broke forth from his throat. Now the king's, the king's son remained there a short while longer. <laughs> Just watching it. <laughs> and he thought of his mother. <laughs> well, this is dog in the background. And he wondered if his mother was still alive. At length, he said to the maiden, I will go home to my own country. If you will go with me, I will provide for you. Ah, she replied, the way is so long. And what shall I do in a strange land where I am unknown? As she did not seem quite willing, and as they could not be parted from each other, he wished that she might be changed into a beautiful pink and he took her with him. Uh, uh, well, hold on a second, what? He asked if she could be changed into a beautiful pink. <laughs> Come pink. on. Just the one pink? Just one pink. What? Just what? one little beautiful pink. <laughs> what is a pink? It's a flower. Oh, that's not what I was expecting. That might come up later. Okay. Just let it go. Okay. She's a She's a pink. She's a pink. She's a beautiful pink. Then the boy, with the pink in his pocket, went away to his own country, and the poodle had to run after him. <laughs> have to run after him because the boy wishes it <laughs> he went to the tower in which his mother was confined and as it was so high he wished for a ladder which would reach up to the very top so you remember the mother's bricked up in a yeah. tower so he's got a big ladder now then he mounted up and looked inside and cried beloved mother lady queen are you still alive or are you dead she answered I have just eaten, and I'm still satisfied. For she, for she thought that she thought he was an angel. She thought, oh right, because that's all she's seen for seven years. Oh, she just thought it's room service. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Said he, "I am your dear son, whom the wild beasts were said to have torn from your arms, but I'm still alive and will speedily rescue you." Hold tight, mum. I've got this. So he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Just stay there, mum. Yeah, I'm going to save you." So he slides down the ladder, and he went to his father, and he had himself announced as a strange hunter. And he asked if he could enter the king's service. The king said, yes, if he was skillful and could get game for him, he should come and join him. But that deer had never taken up their quarters in any part of the district or country. The hunter Ooh. promised to procure as much game for him as he could possibly use at the royal table. So he wants a job with the king. He's like, can I be a hunter? King said, yeah, as you can hunt game, you can be a hunter. Knowing that there's no game yeah, out there. Best of luck to you, pal. Whew. So he summons all the hunters in the kingdom, and he bade them go out with him into the forest. And he went with them, and he made them form a great circle that was open at one end, where he stationed himself. And he began to wish, 
200 deer and more came running inside the circle at once, and the hunters shot them all. Uh, something about that doesn't add up. Shooting in a circle? How are they not shooting each other? Breaches health and safety. Don't shoot in a circle. You all end up dead. <laughs> That's rule one of archery. <laughs> Never do the circle. <laughs> then they were all placed on 60 country wagons and driven home to the king. And for once he was able to deck his table with game after having had none at all for years. Oh. Now the king felt great joy at this and commanded that his entire household should eat with him the next day. And he made a great feast. When they were all assembled together, he said to the hunter, As you are so clever, you shall sit by me. He replied, Lord King, your majesty must excuse me, I'm a poor hunter. But the king insisted on it and said, you shall sit by me. While he was sitting there, right next to the king, he yep. thought of his dearest mother, and he wished that one of the king's principal servants would begin to speak of her, and would ask how it was faring with the queen in the tower, and if she was still alive or had perished. Hardly had he formed the wish than the marshal began and said, your majesty, we live joyously here, but how is the queen living in the tower? Is she still alive or has she died? But the king replied, She let my dear son be torn to pieces by wild beasts. I will not have her named. Then the hunter arose and said, Gracious Lord Father, she is alive still, and I am her son. And I was not carried away by wild beasts, but by that wretch, the old cook, who tore me from her arms when she was asleep and sprinkled her apron with the blood of a chicken. Thereupon he took the dog with the golden collar and said, That is the wretch. And he caused live coals to be brought, and these the dog was compelled to devour before the sight of all, until flames burst forth from his throat. Fire breathing poodle! And at this the hunter asked the king if he would like to see the dog in his true shape. And he wished him back into the form of the cook, in which he stood immediately with his white apron and his knife by his side. When the king saw him, he fell into a passion and ordered him to be cast into the deepest dungeon. Oh dear. Then the hunter spoke further and said, Father, will you see the maiden who brought me up so tenderly and was afterwards to murder me, but did not do it, though her own life depended on it? The king replied, Yes, I would like to see her. <laughs> yeah, that sounds quite nice. The son said, Most gracious father, I will show her to you in the form of a beautiful flower. And he thrust his hand into his pocket and brought forth the pink and placed it on the royal table. And it was so beautiful that the king had never seen one equal to it. Then the son said, Now I will show her to you in her own form. And he wished that she might become a maiden. And she stood there looking so beautiful that no painter could have made her look more so. Oh, another painter this. <laughs> I think they've had some issues, some beef with some painters. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, painters are rubbish. <laughs> and the king sent two waiting maids and two attendants into the tower to fetch the queen and bring her to the royal table. But when she was led in, she ate nothing and said, The gracious and merciful God who has supported me in the tower will speedily release me. She lived three more days and then died happily. And when she was buried, the two white doves which had brought her food to the tower and were angels of heaven followed her body and seated themselves on her grave. The aged king ordered the cook to be torn in four pieces, but grief consumed the king's own heart and he soon died. His son married the beautiful maiden whom he had brought with him as a flower in his pocket. And whether they are still alive or not is known to God. The end. I did not expect that turn at the end. And that was sort of like reaching the end of a story and then having a kind of 
ending montage where you see where the characters end up. There's a kind of little coda. Yeah. <laughs> and where are they now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she's dead. He's dead. And the cook's been torn in four pieces. Four pieces, yeah. yeah. Serves him right. It's, it's a slow burn, this one, I have to say. I quite like it. I really like it. Really? I'm going to go on the record and say that. I really like that story. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because I wasn't sure how you'd re- respond to this one. No, I really like it. It just, it was a good story. I really mm. like the idea of um, this kid having a power that he doesn't know how to use yet. And then, because he's just a kid. So some nefarious cook is using it for his own ends. But as soon as he figures out he mm. can do what he wants, then he takes control and turns him into a poodle. Which, <laughs> to me, makes the story. I mean, kind of what I'm saying is the reason I like it is because he turns a cook into a poodle. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> that's in a roundabout way. In my head, there's something really modern about a poodle. I know, that's it. It's such like a yeah, like a modern thing. Like, uh, who has poodles? In my head, they're like in handbags. Yeah, exactly. They're... And that doesn't fit with the uh, sort of <laughs> 17th, 18th century sort of Germanic yeah. fairy tale. Well, they are, they are from Germany, apparently. Poodles, poodles originally. Are they? And they were popular in royal courts for a while. Wow. Quite a long time ago. It's so funny. It's so weird to that think is about. Re- it does strike you as modern. That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I love that he turns him into a Fire-breathing black poodle. There always seems to be something in these stories that just, like that. Yeah. Like, why is that there? Yeah. Why has he been turned into a black poodle? <laughs> you just like, come on. Eating. I love the fact that this black poodle then has to, presumably doesn't want to, but is forced to eat hot coals. I love when he stands up at the table like... I am your son, and this is the cook who did it. And he brings the cook there, and then they wait while the servants go and get black coals. <laughs> he's just standing there, like, tapping just his feet. Awkward, yeah. <laughs> Walking around, they're like, sorry, it won't be a minute. Oh, here are the coals. Right, eat them. And then, no, they, so then they stand there watching while watching he's going... It, watching a dog eating hot coals. Breathing fire. And he's like, okay, on with the story. And my mother... Because <laughs> he could have just wished the mum out of the tower. That's true, yeah. Couldn't he? I mean, that's what I was expecting. I mean, it wouldn't have been such a good story, but... And he didn't have to go into his employ as a hunter. No, he didn't have to do any of that stuff. But we like a bit of the dramatic in The Brothers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the idea that at the end, she's like, I've finally been released, I finally know my son's okay, and then dies. (sighs) Man. Oh, man. Oh, boy, that hit me. But it's, it's like she wanted to die as well. Mm. She said, I'll soon be released. Or it something. was released, wasn't it? That was the word, yeah. Not from the tower, but from life. The release of death. And then the king is so heartbroken that he dies. It's really bittersweet. It is very bittersweet. But at least it's sort of all resolved, like balance is restored. Yeah, true. The injustice lingers. I like that. The injustice isn't just done and cleared up and everything's back to normal. That's true. The pain of the injustice, the ramifications of it are still felt. But that's there is true. A, there is a rebalancing and the truth's out. I think that's, yes, that's well put. That's part of why I like it so much is that I like stories in which actions have consequences and things just don't ping back to the status quo. It actually mm. affects... That it's not like an episode of The Simpsons or Friends. Where exactly, it's just, where it's re- nothing happens. Like, yeah, it's just, just restored. Yeah, exactly. I like as well that the boy is obviously the hero. Yeah. He's the central character. But there's also a kind of girl hero too. It's a little couple, in a way. That's true, through, actually. Who've sort of been brought up in this horrible environment and they're both kind of innocent, you feel, but they're both in love and smart. I mean, he grows up very quickly. I, when I read that, I felt like he was still a boy, but he's been employed as a hunter. That's true. Yeah. What, yeah. what happened there? Where did he suddenly grow up? He just grew up. <laughs> he he wished up to quick. grow up and he did. <laughs> It was a good story, wasn't it? I mean, there's, you know, there's the, there's the villain, 
there's a king, there's a queen. There's so many relationships there. There's the relationship with the king and his wife, who he's so angry with, he's bricked yeah. her up. Then the relationship with the, the hero and the heroine, and then the relationship with the cook and the children. It's just That's true. Oh, it's just great. It like, is great. It's and a actually, really rich story, it. I think. Going through the story, I was thinking the king is the villain, which he kind of is, but he's kind of not, because it's all predicated on a lie that he thought his son was dead. It's a layered story. It's very layered. This story is from Zwern. I still don't know how to pronounce that. Zwern? Z-W-E-H-R-N. Z-W-E-H-R-N. Zwern? Zwern. But there are other versions they collected from Hess as well. One of which has a dwarf instead of a cook who's the sort of evil... Uh, oh, wow, evil dwarf. Nice. As we've mentioned before, the Brothers Grimm substantially changed the stories over the years as they released new editions of the book. Yeah. And in the first version of this... As is often the way, there's less God. They sort of like insert God and religiosity to push their own agenda later on. Sure. But in the first version, King and the Queen are about to have a child, just naturally, without God's right, intervention. Yeah. And he, King runs out in the street and is like, I need a Godfather. And he just finds some old man, brings him in. Nice. You're the Godfather. The old man says, look, I'm going to baptize the kid, but you all need to get out of the church. Just me alone in the church. <laughs> So he goes <laughs> and he's like, fair enough. So I'm going to leave you, a strange old man, alone with my child. And so he's up at the altar, but the cook has uh, sneaked, snuck, sneaked in. Snooken. And he, he witnesses the old man, who actually has secret powers, oh, okay. bestow the gift of uh, being able to wish on the boy. Right. So it's kind of like Godfather Death. There's like the Godfather figure who gives a gift to the child. Sure. Of weird supernatural powers. And it's pretty much the same apart from that. But in the end, the cook isn't ripped into four pieces. He has to remain a poodle his whole life. And he's often kicked by the servant when, <laughs> when he lay under the table. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the Brothers Grimm also mention in their notes a saying or a little rhyming couplet that's popular in Germany. If only my sweetheart a pink could be, in the window I'd set her for all to see. Okay. So it's sort of like displaying your love to show how beautiful they are. Yeah, in a slightly sexist way. Yeah, well, actually, it says, I'd set him, brackets, her, in a window for all to see. Oh, they say him, such her. Oh, that's really progressive. Nice. (laughs) The other thing here that we haven't mentioned yet is turning into a flower. The pink. That's the central motif in this story. Is that an Anton's and Uther type? You betcha. No, actually, it's not. (laughs) Uh, Well, in the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, there are two stories which have princesses turning into flowers. Oh, spoiler alert. Well, I'm not going to name what the other one is because I don't want to influence your choices because Adam picks the stories blindly. We've never read these stories before. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. (sighs) I can't wait. Um, But there aren't many other examples of this motif. However, there is an Arne Thompson type. 652, the boy whose wishes always come true. Oh, nice. And in this type, you'll find the pink. But there's also another story called The Myrtle by the Neapolitan Giambattista Basile. 
in the history of collectors, writers, and creators of fairy tales, in terms of landmark figures, we have, well, the Brothers Grimm, obviously, mm -hmm. from the number 19th... One. Number no, one. Number one. Number one. 19th century, Brothers Grimm. Before them, though, you have the French in the 18th century, most famously Charles Perrault. In the 17th century, mm. so 200 years before the Grimm, Ooh. you've got the Italians getting involved. Hello. Including Basile. Basile. He wrote a book called The Tale of Tales, or Entertainment for Little Ones, which later became known as Pentamarone, and he wrote it in 1634. You've mentioned that before, haven't you, Pentamarone? Yes, I can't remember where. No, but I've definitely heard that before. <laughs> it's a really important landmark publication in the history of folklore and fairy tales. So Do you know what it means? Pen five of something. Yeah, I think it's Greek, actually. I think it's something ah. like Five Nights. It comes from ancient uh, Greek. okay. And despite the fact that Pentamarone faded into relative obscurity, the Brothers Grimm knew of and loved it. Yeah. Because of they, they believed it had this sort of romanticized voice of the Neapolitan people, which is what they were trying to capture of Germany. They were trying to capture the voice of Germany. Yeah. And they thought Pentamarone did it really well. Yeah. So they really liked it. And I watched the 2015 film. I found it on Netflix, just like scrolling around on Netflix. Yeah. The film The Tale of Tales. Hmm. which is directed by Matteo Garone and stars Toby Jones and Selma Hayek. And it's absolutely awesome. It's, they take like three of the stories from Pentamarone and like interweave them together in this oh, film. Wow. It's really good. I'd highly recommend it. Okay. So I'd kind of come across him before even we did Grim Reading. Yeah, yeah. But basically, uh, this book contains some of the earliest European versions of Rapunzel, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Snow White, Puss in Boots, you name it. Nice. Basile was getting involved in 1634. Wow. Puss in Boots is old. So, in Giambattista Basile's 1634, Pentamarone is a story called The Myrtle. It's the only other European tale that has the motif of a woman turning into a flower. Wow. Is the flower the myrtle? Well, would you like to find out? I would like to find out. Would you like to hear the myrtle? Yes, please. The Myrtle. Possibly certified Grimm. There's a couple in a village with no kids. The woman said, Oh, if I could have a baby, I wouldn't care, even if it were a sprig of myrtle. Whoa. So it's very, like, Tom Thumb. There. That's very, I mean, that's not good to think about, is it? Don't even think about that. After nine months, she got a wish. She gave birth to a sprig of myrtle and popped it on the windowsill and <laughs> looked after it lovingly. What? <laughs> Pop it over there. One day, the king's son is walking past and he sees it and he loves it. And he, <laughs> and he inquires. He's it and he loves it. He's like, oh, look at that. This is me summing it up. All right. That's not all I said. <laughs> I'm loving this myrtle. And he inquires if he could buy it, uh, saying he'd even give one of his own eyes for it. That's how much he Oh, he loves it. this myrtle. The woman, at last, after a thousand difficulties and refusals, allured by his offers, dazzled by his promises, frightened by his threats, overcome by his prayers, gave him the pot, beseeching him to hold it dear, for she loved it more than a daughter, and valued it as much as if it were her own offspring. Prince got it, after all that, took it home, put it on his balcony, and he tends to it. Oh, nice. Balcony beats windowsill, so yeah, fair enough. So that night, he gets home, he puts it there, he's chuffed, he goes to bed... And in the night, someone enters his bedchamber. He can sort of hear, he wakes up, he can feel that there's someone there. He can hear a pot walking along. <laughs> Smash. <laughs> um, uh, 
he thinks maybe it's dangerous, maybe it's so he's just lying there with his eyes closed. Oh dear. And he waits till it's close and he sticks out his hand and he thought he'd touch something unpleasant and rough, but uh, it's actually something very smooth and nice that felt like a fairy. And, uh, <laughs> it felt like a fairy. Well, that's because it was a fairy. No way. And uh, yeah, then he spends the rest of his night. Uh, and in the so, morning... Sorry, that's not a euphemism. He spends the rest of his night. He reaches out, touches a fairy. There's a fairy and then some things and happen. And then, the it's, uh, and then it's the morning and whoever, whoever it was in the night has gone. Right, okay. But when this had gone on for seven days, he was burning and melting with desire to know what good fortune this was that the stars had showered down on him. So uh, basically, this this return this happens Wait, every what? night. Every night he reached out and touched a fairy. You summed what? it up for me there, Adam. You summed it up for <laughs> me there. What is going on? So he, he's having some great nights. There's a little <laughs> fairy, and in the morning, this fairy's gone. So one night he he's in he's in his bed with the fairy, and uh, and he ties he, t- he ties her up in a good way. He asked for a candle to be brought. So there's obviously a servant in the room as well. It's weird. And uh, so they brought a candle. <laughs> it's bizarre. And he had a look at her. Well, for the first time. Yeah. And what did he see? He saw the flower of beauty. The medical of woman. The looking glass and painted egg of Venus. The what? fair bait of love. There's nothing more beautiful than a painted egg. He saw a little doll. A beautiful dove. A Fata Morgana. A banner. He saw a golden trinket. A hunter. A falcon's eye. A moon in her 15th day. A pigeon's <laughs> bill. A morsel for a king. A jewel. He saw, in short, a sight to amaze one. Whoa. She's pretty good looking. Well, or his bed is full of a lot of stuff. <laughs> In astonishment, so he's seen all that, and in astonishment he cried, Oh, sleep, sweet sleep, heap poppies on the eyes of this lovely jewel. Interrupt not my delight in viewing, as long as I desire this triumph of beauty. Oh, lovely tress that binds me, oh, lovely eyes that inflame me, oh, lovely lips that refresh me, oh, lovely bosom that consoles me. Oh, where, at what shop of the wonders of nature was this living statue made? What India gave the gold for these hairs? What Ethiopia the ivory to form these brows? What seashore the carbuncles that compose these eyes? What tire the purple to dye this face? What east the pearls to string these teeth? And from what mountains was the snow taken to sprinkle over this bosom, snow contrary to nature that nurtures the flowers and burns hearts? It's, um, is it Italian, this one? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You can tell. You noticed. You can tell. (laughs) Now, with all this racket, she woke up and he started... (laughs) (laughs) What are you witching on about, you old? (laughs) And she started saying, well, he started saying to her how amazing she is and carrying on with this. But this made her really angry. And she said, not so much praise, my lord. Yes, yeah. it's coming on a bit strong. <laughs> a bit much. I am your servant and would do anything in the world to serve that kingly face. And I esteem it great good fortune that from a bunch of myrtle set in a pot of earth, I have become a branch of laurel hung over the inn door of a heart in which there is so much greatness and virtue. Oh, wow. So she's, she's in love as well. Waxing poetic as well. Everyone is constantly, non-stop throughout So this. he's not in love with a really good looking myrtle plant. She's, she is a woman now. She's a Myrtle Fairy woman. Right, okay, obviously. So they kept at it for several days. <laughs> but as fate is a hindrance to the steps of love, it so happened that he was summoned to hunt a wild boar that was causing some trouble. <laughs> but because... <laughs> Troublesome boar. Oh, not that one again. So he's got to go. Right. But she's so good looking that he felt jealous at leaving her. 
So uh, he took her with him? No, him? he asked that she go back in the flower pot. <laughs> what? <laughs> and here, Basile reminds us that jealousy is a tempest in the sea of love, a piece of soot that falls into the pottage of the bliss of lovers, which is a serpent that bites, a worm that gnaws, a gall that poisons, a frost that kills, making life always restless, the mind unstable, the heart ever suspicious. Wow. Sums up jealousy. Couldn't put it better myself. So he's asked her back in the pot. She's asked him to leave a thread of silk with a bell tied to it to the top of her sprig. Um, And when she said, "When, when you return, ring the bell and I'll appear and say, here I am. It's back in human form. Yeah. Yeah. So he's off to hunt the boar. But unfortunately, seven wicked, jealous women to whom the prince had been acquainted <clears throat> oh, got yeah. jealous. So they hired a mason who dug a tunnel to the prince's chamber. So they've broken into the prince's chamber. And there's nothing in there. It's very minimalist, except the plant pot. Uh, and so they yanked all the leaves off. And <sighs> the youngest no. one of these wicked women took the no. top off the plant. Oh, no. And at this, it caused the bell to ring. So the fairy appears. And the women cried... You are she who turns to your own mill the stream of our hopes. You it is who have stolen the favour of the prince. And they tore her into pieces. No. Yeah. And each took a part uh, of her, of her body, except the youngest one, who wasn't impressed with all this. Yeah, she's like, come on, guys. She didn't do anything no. like that. But she took a, she just took a lock of golden hair. She didn't take a sort of lump of oh, flesh. Oh, just a bit of hair. That's yeah, fine. That's the servant arrived back who's been charged with looking after the plant. And he like, you know, he just dropped everything on the floor uh, and he nearly died of terror. Yeah. So he, he basically, he scoops up all the flesh and bones and, and he puts them back in the pot and then he waters it <laughs> and he mops the blood off the floor, locked the door, key under the door and he ran out of town. I'm just going to clear up this mess and I'm going to go. <laughs> so wild boar gets sorted. Prince comes home. Can't get in the door, busts his door open to his chamber, and he sees the myrtle, and he sees that there's no leaves on it. And he goes off again. Where are you? Where are you, my myrtle? And what soul more hard than marble has destroyed this beautiful flower pot? Oh, cursed chase that has chased me from all happiness. Alas, I am done for. I am overthrown. I am ruined. I have ended my days. It is not possible for me to get through life without my life. I must stretch my legs, since without my love, sleep will be a lamentation. Food, poison, pleasure, insipid, and life sour. And uh, he's Ooh. so aggrieved that his face, which was before of oriental vermilion, became of gold paint, and the ham of his lips became rusty bacon. Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 That needs recapping. I love that line. What happened to his face? He, what, he had an oriental face, and it turned to bacon. What's First of good? all, the faces of these Neapolitans is weird, because... He described the fairy as having a purple face, yeah. first of all, earlier, which I thought yeah. we'll just let that go. So she has a purple face. Purple face, lovely. And he, after his lamentation, he's so distraught that his face, which was previously of oriental vermilion, has become of gold paint. So he's got a gold face, and the ham of his lips has become <laughs> The ru- ham of his lips? Has become rusty bacon. Rust. I didn't know bacon could rust. You learn something new I'm every day. I'm learning so much. Lip ham. Lip <laughs> ham. <laughs> Oh, Vermilion's red, is it? So yeah, he previously had a red face and ham lips. And now, unfortunately, because that was a great look, he's now got a gold face with rusty bacon lips. <laughs> but don't worry, guys, because the fairy, who had sprouted up again from the remains that were put in the pot... No way. 
Seeing the misery and tribulation of her poor lover, and how he was turned in a second to the colour of a sick Spaniard, of a venomous lizard, of the oh, sap of a leaf, that... of a jaundiced person, of a dried pear, was moved with compassion, and springing out of the pot like the light of a candle shooting out of a dark lantern, she stood before him, and embracing him in her arms, she said, Take my heart, take my heart, my prince, have done now with this lamenting, wipe your eyes, quiet your anger, smooth your face, behold me alive and handsome, in spite of those wicked women who split my head and so ill-treated me. So actually it's not just a gold and rusty ham face, it's, we, get, we get more of a description. Yeah, yeah. So his face is the colour of a oh, sick dear. Spaniard. <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Of a venomous lizard. Sap of a leaf, a jaundiced person, and a dried pear. <laughs> Not a good look. But it's okay, they're all back together now, and they married, and uh, on their wedding day they had a massive feast, and they invited the entire kingdom to come. So it's like <laughs> it's Glastonbury. It's yeah. like, imagine a sea of people, and the king stands up to give a speech, and during the speech he asked what punishment someone should get who would hurt his lovely wife. Right. His lovely fairy Myrtle. And everyone wife. loves her. They think she's great. Just to say, he's asked, like, every single person has to give an answer. Then all who Whoa. sat at table, beginning with the king, said, One, that he deserved the gallows. Another, that he merited the wheel. A third, the pincers. A fourth, to be thrown from a precipice. In short, one proposed this punishment, and another that. Now, at last, it came to the turn of the seven wicked women to speak. And although they didn't much relish this conversation, yet... As the truth comes out when the wine goes about, they answered answered that whoever had the heart basely to touch only this quintessence of the charms of love deserved to be buried alive in a dungeon. This was their chance to sort of say, maybe just forgive them if anyone wanted to Yeah, or like give them a nice holiday or something. Yeah. So, therefore, they pronounce their own sentence. Wow. He has them locked alive in the dungeon. And he gives another lengthy speech, uh, which unfortunately gets a little bit racist. <laughs> so I mean, he's already flirted with a little bit of racism. Yeah, it already. gets full on racist, oh, so dear. I won't repeat it. So they get married, and all, after the racism, everything ends really well. And the servant, the chamberlain who'd run out of town, he's come back and he's married the younger one of the wicked women because she wasn't so bad. And they live happily ever after. <laughs> okay, that's a nice little side story. And the wicked women ended their lives in bitter anguish and thus verified the proverb of the wise men of old. The lame goat will hop if he meets with no stop. (laughs) The lame goat will hop if he meets with no stop. I don't get it. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Mull on that. Please email us if you know what that means. What does that mean? Please tell us. (laughs) There you go. That's the Myrtle. And they are both stories of women turning into flowers. Uh, The Myrtle and the Pink. And they are in ATU type 652, The Boy Whose Wishes Always Come True. Fantastic and very different to the Brothers Grimm, yes. which is a grim, gritty Germanic thing. And this is like, <laughs> this got really, really uh, passionate yeah. um, in a quite um, sickening way sometimes. <laughs> I think this, these are the kind of fairy tales, you know, when people say, oh, you know, the original fairy tales are like really nasty and horrible. Yeah. These are the kind of ones they're talking about. Yeah. And actually, we finally met a fairy. That's true. That's the first one. We've never met a fairy before. 
And she was a sort of uh, very uh, attractive, very attractive, libidinous uh, sprig of myrtle. Yeah. So as I say, I came across Jean-Baptiste Basley before we started Grim Reading. And uh, this summer, I actually found myself in Naples. It's where I spent my summer holiday. And I searched high and low for a copy of Pentamarone. Oh. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Not in Naples. A lot of the booksellers in the markets and in the shops, they looked at me like, you want a copy of Pentamarone? They're like, we don't even have it in Italian, let alone really? in English. Yeah, they just, Is it just not a there. thing? I guess not, no. They, in fact, I found Brothers Grimm, but uh, I couldn't find Pentamarone anyway. You can buy it, though, and I definitely recommend the film, and I think the, the, the book is amazing as well. Okay. What a roller coaster. What a roller coaster that was, eh? So, Adam, back to the pink. Get your mind out of the myrtle. <laughs> mind from the myrtle, back to the pink. What score would you give the pink, do you think? The pink. What do I think about the pink? I, well, I, as I said, I really liked it. This is going to be high, and maybe I would regret it. <laughs> but you give it what you feel in the moment. Amen. Um, eight. It's a bit of a banger. It is. What say you? I say that... I like. <laughs> is that what you say? It's, uh, it, it doesn't just have that sort of spark that the white snake lacked. It's got that really sad coda. Oh, that, yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I might give it an 8 too. Hey! Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's nice when we agree. Happy with that. Happy days. Right, so now we're going to pick the next stories we'll be reading. And this time, we're picking four. Because we thought that would line up better with doing it two-weekly. Bi-weekly? Bi-monthly. Half a monthly. Buy something. Buy something. From our online store. (laughs) (laughs) Which we don't have. One day. Yeah, so I'm going to, off the list of tales, which you can find on the Podbean site... I've looked at that list and I've picked out four titles that we haven't read yet that have sort of taken my fancy, knowing literally nothing about them. Me too. I know literally nothing about them <laughs> as well. And Matt doesn't know what I've picked, so he's going to find out now. Okay, so the first... This is going to take us up to Christmas, isn't it? Pretty much, I think. All right. It's exciting. Woo-hoo. So the first story I want you to read is called... It's it's number 16. Oh, I'm on 10 to 16. The Three Snake Leaves. Oh. I don't remember seeing that one. (laughs) The three snake leaves. I didn't make it up. That's a thing. I don't know what a snake leaf is. Oh, well, we'll be be going back to the snake then. Or leaves. Oh, maybe. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, let's worry about that later. (laughs) The next one is number 28. The singing bone. Oh, I'm excited for that one. I don't know what that is. The next story. Number 62. The queen bee. I think we mentioned it in the very first episode. We were reading out potential oh, yeah. stories. Yeah, it sounds said, quite sassy. And we said the queen bee. The queen bee. Great, okay. Can't wait for that one. And the fourth one is number 72, The Wolf and the Man. Yes! I'm so I feel glad like you picked that. We, we've, we've started <laughs> with part three of the saga, so really we should go back and visit part one, where it all begins. Origin story. <laughs> we've got... In totality, we've got number 16, The Three Snake Leaves. Number 28, The Singing Bone. 
Number 62, the queen bee. And number 72, the wolf and the man. I think that's a really like solid I list. think that's a solid four, yeah. yeah. You were saying a minute ago that it hurts you to choose them. It Honestly, so scrolling through that list, I was starting to get genuine anxiety because every single name I came across, I was like, I want to hear that, I want to hear that. And every choice you make, you're missing out on another great story. So I'm just, there's... Just check out this list of stories. What a treat those titles are. I can't wait to find out what's going on in all of those stories. Awesome. Well, next week, what's what's first? The three... I guess we'll start with the first one I mentioned, which is the three snake leaves. Ooh, so that's nice. next up. All right. Well, I better, I better head out uh, back to my own castle. So I will leave you be. In peace. In peace, finally. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'll, we'll, we'll be talking about some snake leaves next we meet. Next we meet. When next we meet. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.